Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. We've just scratched the surface of what God has, has for us. I mean, we're just, we're just now just starting to get back to the book of Acts. We're just now just starting to get back to where the church started. And man, we're the end time church. We're the church of the last days. And, and so, you know, with God, the church is to be going from faith to faith. Glory to glory to glory to glory. Going from better to better to better to better. Higher and higher and higher and higher. That's how it's supposed to be with God. Now, man hasn't always cooperated with God like he ought to. The church hasn't always cooperated with God as the church ought to. The church has let go of a lot of things. And a lot of strange and false doctrines have entered into the church. And there's a lot of things that have gotten twisted and distorted over time. And, uh, but thank God you and I are going back to the book. We're not just looking at the world around us, looking at all the different denominations around us, thinking about churches that we grew up in or churches that we have attended. Well, I used to go to this church, and they did it this way, and I went to that church, and they did it that way. And I kind of like the way you do this, but it's not quite like the way my church did it. And so, you, you know, we're not looking around at other churches. We're, we're going right to the source. We're going right to the church manual. How to have a church. How to run church. What's church supposed to look like? What are these believers supposed to act like? What are they supposed to be doing? We're not looking around at the church world around us because in so many ways the church world has gotten away from the word, from God's way, from God's way. And so we got to just get back to the book and find out how's this actually supposed to be and then... Be willing to actually let go of the traditions of men. To actually let go of some religious ways that we've gotten very comfortable with over the years. This is how we were raised. This is how we were, you know, this is how we believed it's supposed to be. And, and then we get in the Bible and we look at the early church and they're not like that at all. They don't sound like that at all. And then we've got to make a decision. Do we want it the Bible way, God's way, or do we want it man's way? According to the traditions of men, according to the religions that we're familiar with, the things that we're familiar with pertaining to God. Man, let's get to know God according to the word. Let's not just get familiar with God according to other people and how they deal with God or their relationship with God. Man, we need to just go on each one for ourselves, get in the Word of God and find out exactly how God is. Because God is, man, He is wrapped up in a tight little box in a lot of people's lives. They got God all boxed up, you know. They got Him all figured out. And then if somebody steps outside that box in the name of God, man, oh man, it's offense time. It's offense time. This is not God. This is not how a church is supposed to be. Says who? It's just not right. Says who? 
says your tradition, says what you're used to. Well, I just felt that way. Well, how you feel, I just felt it on the inside. You know, that's where the Holy Spirit lives. And I just felt it on the inside. Well, you know, yeah, you got the Holy Spirit in you perhaps, but you also have a soul that needs to get saved. How many people know when a person gets born again, their spirit gets saved, but their soul needs still to still be saved? That's why uh, 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 Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, right before he's coming into chapter 11, he talks about that we are those who press on into the saving of the soul. So, you know, when somebody gets born again, we, a lot of times we say, you know, they got, you know, God saved their soul. No, they got born again. Their spirit got saved. They became a new creation in their spirit. But they still have a soul and a body. And their soul needs to be saved. And the soul is the mind, the will, the emotions. And all that needs to be, that needs to be brought into subjection to, to God through his word. His word. By the renewing of the mind, uh, the soul is saved. And also by obeying the word. Not just hearing and being taught the word. But hearing it and doing it. Being a doer of it. Because the Bible says in the book of Peter that we purify our souls by obeying the truth. So it's through obedience of the truth that our souls are purified, our souls are saved. So that's a process. That's an ongoing process. And so the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 that the word of God is a discern of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And it's like a two-edged sword that cuts between soul and spirit, that divides soul and spirit. In other words, he's letting you know that your spirit and soul are so close, you will not be able to tell what's what's in your spirit or what is your own soul without the word. The word is the sword that divides soul and spirit. Did you get that? So a lot of folks say, I just don't feel led. And it's their soul. It's their traditions. It's their unrenewed thinking. That's what is influencing them. It's their emotions. That, it just doesn't feel right. And it's just their emotions. It's not the Spirit of God. And if you're an emotionally led person, an emotionally led person, then the devil is able to lead you. Because he'll work through your soul. He'll work through your emotions to manipulate you. So we have to be able to discern the difference between what's really my spirit and what is my soul. So to just say, it just didn't feel right on the inside, that's not enough. Give me scripture. Give me verse. Show me in the Bible where this is not God, where this could not be God. Show me where this is wrong. And I'll show you scripture where it's absolutely right. Because everything we do around here, it's scriptural. That's just how we run things. It's scripturally being done. I don't just do my own thing. I'm not out doing my own thing. I'm not going to pastor seminars to try to figure out how to do it. I'm just going with the Bible and the Holy Spirit. And I know it's the Holy Spirit because I got the Bible. I put the Bible above the Holy Spirit because God exalts his word above everything else. He said he's exalted his word above all his name. It's above every name that God is named by. Not just the name Jesus God comes. He has all different names. Go through the Old Testament. He has all different names. He's exalted his word above his name. Thank God for the name of Jesus. But the word is number one. We have to know Jesus. How do you know Jesus? You've got to know the word. He is the word. But you get to know Jesus the word through the word. The word that we hear. The written word of God. 
And that's where we're looking for God to speak to us today and always. Can you say amen? Praise God. So we can know everything we're doing is scriptural. And man, there's a confidence in that. When you know that what you're doing is in line with God's word, in other words, in God's way of doing things, then you know you got God's support in what you're doing. A lot of people are asking God, uh, you know, to do things for them and to bless their own thing. And it's not God's thing. We don't want to just ask God to bless our thing. Uh, God will bless his thing. You don't have to ask him to bless his thing. He blesses his, if it's his thing, it's blessed. Now, God bless this thing. Is it his thing? If it's his thing, you don't even have to ask. It's blessed. You do his thing, it's blessed. Because all his things are blessed. So, so we're back in the book of Acts. Praise God. We're going back to the manual. Say, now, wait a second. I haven't gone to church all my life. But what does the manual say? How's it supposed to be being done today? Let's get back to the book. Let's go back to the early church. And people know they had a lot of things right. I said they had a lot of things right. And they walked in a lot of things. We saw in this series thus far that, number one, they were a praying church. Should we be a praying church? Should you be a praying believer? Yes. They continued in prayer. Number two, they were excited. They were full of expectancy concerning God and what God was doing, what God has done, what he's doing, and what he's going to do. Nobody there was just humdrum. They were excited. Can you say amen? And again, you come back to, you know, people talk about revival, revival, revival. Oh, Lord, said revival. (laughs) Said revival. Well, first thing you're going to see in a place where there's revival is excited people. So why don't you just go ahead and get excited? Uh, Why don't you just go ahead and have a personal revival? (laughs) Can you say amen? So that's how they were. They had continual revival, the early church. And they were excited. They continuously prayed. They prayed. They were excited. They came together in one place. They knew the importance of gathering together in order to get God to move in the land and to do his will in the earth. Verse 4, they were united in one accord. They weren't just islands to themselves. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They weren't just born again, but they were filled with the Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. They were tongue talkers, that early church. And so how many people know we ought to be speaking in tongues today? And if you don't speak in tongues, before you leave today, you need to make sure that you receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Number seven, they spoke about a God of miracles, not just in the past tense, but in the present and future tense as well. He is a God of the miraculous, even today in our midst. Are you ready for miracles in our midst today? Praise God. Of course, you know, someone getting born again is a miracle, probably the greatest miracle. I mean, that's raising somebody from the dead spiritually. A lot of folks be impressed if, you know, brother so-and-so was dead physically. You know, there's his corpse up there in the coffin. And then somebody went over and said, in the name of Jesus, and grabbed a hold of his arm, pulled him up out of that casket. Man, people would be excited and talking and talking and talking about it. Right? But even greater than that is someone who's been spiritually dead. I mean dead in trespasses and sin. 
Somebody walks over to him and in the name of Jesus leads him to the Lord and he's raised from spiritual death. Man, I just raised somebody from spiritual death this morning. This morning I did. I came into our parking lot. I don't see him here today, but I came into our parking lot, and uh, there was a car early. The lights, it was still dark out, and I pulled up, put my headlights on to see if there's anybody in the car, and there's this gentleman in the car. I pulled up, rolled down my window, began to talk to him, and he, had, I won't go into details, but the bottom line is, you know, he was going through a tough place in his life, and matter of fact, it sounds like he's had a pretty tough life overall. And so I just started ministering the gospel to him, you know, started talking about Jesus and things like that. And I mean, we were together for about an hour out in the parking lot. I just talked, he letting him talk. And then I would talk to him about the Lord and things, man. He said, you know, he had never heard it like that before. He said, as you're talking it to me, it just makes perfect sense. I totally understand it now. See, he's blaming God for a lot of things the devil was doing in his life. He didn't know the difference between the devil and God. He never heard that in church. He just heard God's sovereign, doesn't do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. But I helped him to see that, no, there's a devil, and God does things legally, and we got to get over into faith so that God can legally move in our life. I said, let's pray. We prayed. He made Jesus the Lord of his life. Praise God. He couldn't lift his head up. He was just crying in the car. Hallelujah. As the love and presence of the Lord Jesus just filled his life. Amen. Spiritual death resurrected. Hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah. See, we don't want to just be flesh creatures where we always just got to see something before we get excited. We got to see something or feel something. Then if our flesh says it's okay, then we get excited. No, bless God, we're led by our spirits. We're listening to our hearts. We're listening to our spirit. We're excited about the miracle that just happened this morning. Miracles are happening everywhere. But we don't want to limit them to the spirit either. We don't want to just act like everything God does is spiritual. And there's nothing that he does in the natural. That is a total contradiction of Old Testament and New Testament. Certainly a contradiction of Jesus. Who went about doing good and physically healing. All those who are oppressed of the devil. So we don't want to get over in that ditch where everything's ooey-wooey spiritual. And we don't ever see anything. No, get ready. If you've got a problem in your body today, let's, let's just get it straightened out today. Why don't we just, why don't we just le- let's see that get fixed today. Amen. We've had some people with mental torment. Praise God. Peace is filling their souls, their minds. They're being set free from that. They don't have to take drugs to be set free from it. A lot of people do drugs to get free from the tormenting thoughts in their minds. But, but the power of the Holy Spirit could do miracles in people's lives all around us. Mentally, physically, as well as spiritually. Somebody say, God is a God of miracles. Early church believed that, talked about that, and they saw that. That was happening, and guess what? It's happening today also. We want to see it happen in greater measure. We want a greater measure of these things. How do you have a greater measure of the miraculous? Have greater faith. Oh, bless God, how do we have greater faith? Come to Life of Faith Bible Church and hear a message on these things. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. So as we're hearing the Word of God concerning these things, then our faith can grow, swell, bless God, and then we can see an increase of the miracle working power of God in our midst. So they were a a, a, a group that talked about the miracle working God. Number eight, uh, their message was convicting. They weren't just trying to make people feel comfortable. Uh, they, they were trying to make a lot of folks feel uncomfortable because the way to get comfortable many times is you got to get uncomfortable. you got to get out of your comfort zone of sin and being just not in sync with God and just in your locked into your traditions. you got to let God convict you and cut you out of those places that you're being held in. 
And a lot of times, it's difficult for people to get out of those places because what they're being held in is in them. So what they got to get, get cut out of is got to be cut out of them. And the Word of God is the sword. And it cuts. I feel like skillful surgeon today. And cut. I'm going to pull some things out. Mm. Ooh, Hallelujah. Scalpel, please. Anyway, their message was convicting. They preached on repentance. And repentance is a blessing from God. Praise God. We talked a lot about that last time. That, you know, it's through repenting that we position ourselves to receive the blessing of God on our life. A lot of people can't receive because they won't repent. They won't turn. They won't turn and face God Good enough that they can receive from him what he has for them. So they preach repentance. We preach. We talk repentance. Uh, they continued steadfastly in the word, in the apostles' doctrine. They were, they were word folks. And I love that. They didn't just get converted to Christianity. Man, they became disciples. They took hold of the word of God and continued steadfastly in that word. We're just going over what we've already covered already. So they continued steadfastly in the Word. They also continued steadfastly in fellowship with one another. They met together regularly to pray together, fellowship, eat together, broke bread together, took communion together. I mean, they they had an incredible relationship with one another. Again, we live in a society that tries to isolate us, especially today, especially starting in 2020. I mean, it's all about isolation. It's all about stay at home. Don't go out. My God. Just, just saw something the other day where a guy had, his, his, had a birthday cake and he was looking at a cam, He was looking at a, a monitor of a com, com, computer. I guess he was Zooming everybody on his birthday. They can't come over his house. Nobody can meet together. This is demonic. I got news for you. It's devilish. It's not from heaven. It's not from God. God's not about isolation. God's about gathering together. Hallelujah, come together. That's how you get in one accord. You got to come together and stay together for a while. A lot of people say, I love you, I love you, I love this church, I love this. And then they're divorced within six months. Or they get divorced after a couple of years, whatever. Stay with it. How in the world do you get into one accord if you don't stay with it? Stay together. Stay together, pray together. Stay in the Word together. Stay in the Word together. Somebody wants to give you their opinion, say, well, you know, the Word says. That's what, we say. That's what we do to our brothers and sisters that want to give their opinion, right? They give their opinion. Oh, yeah, I just feel like, well, that's your feelings. But the Bible says. That'd be a good brother or sister, don't you think? That'd be a very responsible brother. That, rather than, a, I didn't want to hurt their feeling, and I just said, yeah, oh, yeah, I see what you mean by that. That's a weak brother. That's a weak sister. Don't be a weak weakling. All right? Don't be a weakling. Stand up. Speak the word. Stand up for the word. Stand up for what's right. That's how you really, that really shows love. See, see again, it's not just from the pulpit uh, when we're talking about convicting people. Can you be a conviction to the people around you? Can you convict a brother or a sister? You know they're out of line, but you don't want to say it because you don't want to hurt their feelings. They need to get hurt. They need to get hurt. In other words, they need to know there's a problem there. You know, a lot of times people go, make the pain go away. Pain isn't the problem. Pain is showing you there is a problem in most cases, right? Pain really isn't the problem. It's just the red light blinking saying there's a problem, there's a problem, there's a problem. And we're going to make the pain go away, make the pain go away. No, let's let the problem go away. 
So I might not, you know, I don't want to hurt you, but the truth is, you got problems. You got problems, and you're going to get hurt if you continue to talk like that. If you continue a, a griper and a murmurer, and you're just going to talk your feelings, and you're going to speak a bunch of discord and all this kind of stuff, you, you're, go, you're going to cause problems. You're going to cause pain for yourself and a lot of other people. So, we go meddling. We go cutting. We're going to give them the word. The word cuts. Don't be afraid to cut people. That's how we get them healed. Right? Nobody goes to a surgeon, lies down there, the surgeon starts working on them. They're like, I'm so offended that you're cutting me. <laughs> Nobody does that. Nobody does. They go in there, he's a great surgeon. He cut me in three places. And I feel so much better now. I'm a little numb. It hurt for a couple weeks. But I feel he's a great surgeon. He's a great surgeon. He took a knife and he cut me in three different places. I highly recommend him. <laughs> I highly recommend. See, we like people like that. See, see, at first you don't like it. You know, you don't like it at first, conviction and correction. Nobody likes that at first. But afterwards, afterwards, you'll have favor afterwards. So if they might not like you at first, but you'll have favor afterwards if they have a good heart. So be convicting. It's not just the pulpit. It's you. Be convicting. Speak up. When somebody's speaking contrary, they're speaking junk. They're just speaking trash. Don't let people talk trash. Gene and I, we never let each other talk trash. We'll correct each other. Not in the flesh, but we'll correct each other with the word, you know. Thank God we don't have to do it too much these days. But Well, don't start with me. But instead, no, stop that. Anyway. That's a good thing. It's not strife. It's not fighting. I mean, it could be. I like the way Pastor Hagee down there in Texas, I like how he said, he said, my wife and I, we never fight. We just have intense times of fellowship. (laughs) We never fight. We just have intense times of fellowship. I like that. But we need to be able to convict each other because that's how we take each other higher. Iron sharpens iron. So iron is sharp. Shing! You, you take your iron and you strike iron. And the iron strike you back. But not in retaliation. It's iron striking iron to bring about a sharpening of one another. It's not a nagging and cutting down one another. It's a sharpening one another. Can you say amen? So, you know, the motive needs to be love and not just selfishness. You know, we correct out of love. It's not out of, you've offended me, and now I'm going to lash back at you, and I'm going to come after you. No, we're out of love. We're trying to help each other. So we're cutting things off of each other. And, and uh, it might not be welcomed at first, but it, if, if you have the right heart and you receive it, then you will welcome it. The person will welcome it. And you'll have favor afterwards. So let's not be all touchy-feely and so afraid of offending somebody because they're going to retaliate. They're going to be mad at me and they're not going to like me. And I want them to like me. I want them to like me. Well, why don't you love them more than wanting them to like you? Because them, wanting them to like you is selfish. But loving them would put your life on the line to rescue them. This is just the review. Praise God. It's good though, isn't it? We didn't actually cover all that, but it's, we're building on it. So they continued in the word. They continued in fellowship. Fellowship. 
around prayer, around the word, right? The fellowship, the spiritual fellowship. Number 12, they feared God. They feared God. These were folks uh, that, you know, they hated sin. Because that's the fear of God. It's to hate sin, hate the evil way, hate the wicked way, hate, hate the, way, the way of this world. Not the world, but hate the way of this world, this fallen, sinful, twisted, perverted, sick generation that we're living in. You understand? We hate it. We don't enjoy it. We're not entertained by it. It's not fun to us. We stand together. We hate it. They feared God. And that's what the fear of God does. They did signs and wonders. They did signs and wonders. The apostles did signs and wonders. It started with the apostles, but of course, it moves in to all of the church uh, later on as we go through the book of Acts. But they were a church that had signs and wonders. People were in, they were wondering, not wandering, wondering at God. The work of God. Hallelujah. Signs and wonders. And the Bible says they saw people being saved daily. Glory be to God. They saw people getting saved every day. People were coming and being added to the church every single day. Come on, this is the, this is the early church. This is the way church is supposed to be. People getting saved. Not just about building a church. It's about saving lives. Are you in the saving life business? Yes, yes. We need to be about our Father's business. And we need to see people born again. We need to have a heart to see people saved. You know, just like that guy this morning. You know, he wasn't going to escape. I mean, once he came into my net, he was, he was done. You know, he was, almost, he was almost filleted before he even got caught, you know. In my mind, I've got him already filleted. He's on the table. He's done. I mean, that's how it's got to be our attitude. It's like, you ain't getting away. We're going to get you. We're going to get you. We're going to bring you into life. We're going to get you saved. We're going to get you healed. We're going to get you delivered. We're going to get you happy. We're going to get you happy. We're going to get you from not going to hell. Hallelujah. Man, we got to have that attitude. That's how we go about. That's how we see people. We don't just see obstacles and people as as an opportunity for some kind of personal gain. We want to see people delivered. We want to see people saved. Don't you want to see people saved? What's greater than that? Than seeing people saved. Man, you're you're a part of, of seeing somebody born again, transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into God's kingdom. Be a part of maybe even discipling them and bringing them up in the things of God. Come on. We've got to get soul winning minded. The Bible says he who wins souls is wise. Wise. Do we have wise people around here? Well, then that's what we do. And that's what they did. And they saw people saved every day. And number 15, they had favor. They had favor with all the people. Thank God. When we treat one another right and we're concerned about souls and want to see people saved. In other words, we give favor to people. Guess what we reap? Favor, we reap favor. So they were reaping favor. The favor of God was on their life, which drew more people to them. People don't need to be drawn to somebody that's not going to do anything for anybody. Come on, somebody say amen if you got that. I mean, it's convicting, I know. Maybe you don't want to say amen. You want to go, oh. Okay, maybe I should just let you do that. Groan a little bit, you know. But it, why would you have favor with people if you don't care about people? If all you're interested is in yourself and what people can do for you, then you don't deserve favor. In fact, I don't even want you to have favor. You're a selfish person. You're going to do the wrong thing with the people when God draws them to you. 
But if you care about people and you love people and you want to help people, get ready for favor, 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 which is going to what? It's going to help you. It's going to bless your life. So the favor comes to bless your life, but it doesn't come until you want to be a blessing to other people's life. So I'll be like, Lord, I need favor. I need favor because I need finances. I need help. I need people. I need support. I need favor. People pray for favor for all these selfish reasons. Rather than being concerned about helping people, being a blessing to people, knowing that God will give you favor so that you can increase in being blessed, so you can increase in being a blessing. All right, chapter 3. Acts, the third chapter. Verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. That is the ninth hour. So this is about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. That would be the ninth hour. They went up to the temple at the hour of prayer. Again, these folks were praying people. Prayer wasn't an option. Notice, it was the hour of prayer. You know, you need to have a set hour or so of prayer. Every day. Every day. It's not an option. I'm going up to prayer. I got news for you. Prayer isn't oppressive. It's never going to take you down, friend. It's always going to bring you up. If you're going towards prayer, you're going in an upward direction. You're headed upwards. They went up to prayer. And this was something they did daily. And of course, this is praying in the temple. So whether they're praying by themselves or praying corporately with one another, the bottom line is these folks were praying people. And how many people know things happen in prayer? I mean, things can happen on the way to prayer. Just because you're going in the right direction, right? Like the prodigal son. He said, I'm going to go home. I'm going to go home. And on the way home, he didn't even get home before the father started lavishing all these things on him, right? Started calling for a feast and all this stuff. He was on the way home. You're on the way to prayer. You get your father excited. God gets excited when he sees you coming to prayer. And so things can happen on the way to prayer. It happened for these guys. They're on their way to prayer. And verse 2 says, And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. Look at us. Now, first of all here, this man is crippled. He's never walked a day in his life. He's sitting outside this temple. And what's he's lo- what is he looking for from all the believers? What's he looking for? He's looking for a monetary blessing. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for a monetary blessing. He's looking for a handout of some kind. He's looking for some money, some lunch money. Can you pay my rent? Can you give me some money? Can you give me some kind of material thing? I'm looking for something material. I'm looking for something monetary. But you know what we need to get a reputation for? So that people come looking in the house of God for? 
miracles. The miraculous. The miraculous. Thank God. Where we can go on a missionary's trip, we can build a cottage. We can build a hut. We can go and we can do all kinds of natural things. This is a wonderful thing to do. Go and help people materially. Go help people naturally. But is that all we got? It's okay to do that as long as it don't end there. Is that your biggest vision? It's to go give them something material? That's all Christians, Jews, that's the, reput- the temple dwellers, the temple, temple goers. They just had a reputation, you know, for giving natural things. Just naturally. This man was coming, and he was looking for alms, sitting at the temple looking for alms. What in the world? I don't want somebody sitting outside this church looking for alms. I want somebody sitting outside this church because they're looking for Jesus. They're looking for a miracle. They're looking for the power of God. They're looking for the world to be turned upside down. That's what I'm looking for. Can we have that? Can we have it, you know, have such a reputation that they're lined up going down the road and nobody cares about silver and gold? Nobody cares about money, but they want to get in the house of God because his glory's in that place. Healing's in that place. Deliverance is in that place. Man, the power of God, my answer's in that place. I got to get in that place. Money won't be a problem if I can lay hold of the presence and power of the glory of God. That's why I want people lined up. I don't want people lined up here because we give out Chick-fil-A. Every Friday, we give Chick-fil-A. You know, I mean, thank God we, we had a food kitchen here for a couple of years. You know, we did that, and we would do that again. I mean, that's a beautiful thing. Again, handing people food, stuff like that. But a lot of the people that did come, they didn't really have any respect for the church. They had no respect for Christians. I, I, not all of them, but, but I'd say, to me, it was like most of them. They didn't really have respect. They didn't want to, okay, go ahead, preach your sermon. Uh, okay, can I have my green beans now? You know, it was like, give me my green beans. And, uh, you know, you know save, save the message for somebody else. So we didn't even do it. I said, don't, don't try preaching to people. They're not coming here for that. They're coming for their green beans. They're coming for their, you know, for their, they're coming for food. So don't even, well, it's a great opportunity to share the gospel. They're not coming for the gospel. So f- just forget it. You know, they got to be hungry for spiritual things in order to be filled. So you're just wasting your time. And I think a lot of church folks have wasted their time and actually caused these people to actually despise churches. I mean, they're so closed, it was ridiculous. So I was like, you know, I'm done with the green beans. I'm done with the green beans for now. We might have green beans in the future, but I don't want to be known as the church that gives out green beans. I mean, I'm not in this. You know? It's all about green, right? Give me some money. Give me some beans. Whatever. Give me a bag of rice. Okay, great. I just don't want to be known. for. We'll do that, but not, not until we're known for something else. You know, that could be like an extra thing. But let's, let's put first things first. What's the first thing? What, what's the first thing when it comes to the book of Acts, when it comes to the early church? What was the first thing? It was the miraculous. It was the power of God. It was the gospel. It was Jesus in manifestation. It was Jesus working in their midst, doing miracles. That's what we're going to have to a greater degree than we've ever had it before. We're going to have a reputation for it throughout this city. People are going to come here for the miraculous. Can I get some help? Are we going to do this together or am I all by myself on this thing? 
Come on, it's not just the preacher, it's the believer. Actually, the preacher, the five-fold ministry, the pastor, he's here to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. I got news for you. You're the ministers. I'm the equipper. Well, he's the minister. No, you're the minister. I'm the equipper of the ministers. That's really the truth. I'm equipping you for the work of the ministry. So stop having a reputation for green beans. Have a reputation for the power of God. I'm a believer. And he said, pastors will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Is that what it says? Pastors will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover? What does it say? Believers. Believers will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Bless God. It's in your hand. It's in your hand. Miracles are in your hand. Power of God is in your hands. And so look what, he, look what happens here. So here's this man, lame, and verse 4, he's fixing his eyes on him with John. Peter said, look at us. I don't look at me now, you know. I'm just a worm. Look to Jesus. Well, that's how they're going to look to Jesus. They're going to look to the body of Jesus, the body of Christ. I love the boldest. Look at us. They knew they had the goods. They knew they had something. Look at us. Look at me. Look at me. We shouldn't be walking around in shame. We don't want to lift our head up. We're ashamed. We don't want people really looking at us. We're, we know we're not living right. We're not doing the right thing. We don't want people really looking at us. Don't pay any attention to me, you know. Some people, they sneak into church. I hope the pastor's, he's looking at me. I won't be coming back next week because he looked at me. We need, we need to stand up and know we're the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus, we've been washed in the blood of Jesus. Look at us. I got what you need. I got your answer. I got the life of God on the inside of me. I'm a fountain of living water. If you're thirsty, I've got what you need. I've got the power for your deliverance. I've got the power for your deliverance. That needs to be your attitude. I've got the power to deliver. I got the power to heal. I got it. Not going to get it. I got it. Do you understand? You got it. If, if they had it, you have it. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Somebody say, I got it. They knew they had it. Now watch this. Verse 5. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. People need to know there's something to receive from you. When they look at you, what, what do they really see? Is there, is there something to receive from you? Do, you? do you have what they're looking for? Do you have their answer? See, people need to know when they're looking at you that you have their answer. So they look to you with expectation to receive. To receive. Now, if you're just a goofy goof, and everything's just a big joke, and you're just a goofy goof, and you're not a person with a reputation for what you know. Your reputation's important. I got news for you. The Bible says a good reputation to be chosen above silver and gold. But a lot of times people put silver and gold ahead of their reputation, absolutely ruin their reputation over money. They'll ruin their reputation over five dollars. Absolutely ruin their reputation over over just over a little money. But we need to cherish our reputation because if we have a bad reputation, how can we help people? I don't care what people think about me. Well, you better care. If you care about people, you care about what they think about you. Now, 
We're not manipulated by how people think about it. When it comes to manipulation, I don't care what people think about me. I mean, you might not like me. Well, I mean, that's your problem. That's your loss. I mean, you're missing out. You understand how much you're missing out by not liking me? That sounds very egotistical. No, it's not me and myself. It's him and me. That makes me, like, really amazing. It's not just me. It's you, too. You understand what I'm talking about. You need to have a good reputation. You need to have a good reputation. You need to have a, be a reputation of a person for wisdom, a person that has answers. You don't just have a reputation to be a goofy goof. You know what I think about? I think about, I think about Lot. Now, Lot, just, he just messed up. I'm talking about Abraham's nephew, okay? He's raised in a, by a, the father of our faith. He's raised in Abraham's household. He gets too big for his britches, and they have to separate. Abraham recognized this guy's causing strife and everything. Let's just separate from each other. Abraham says, pick whatever land you want to go to. You pick the best land all you want. I'll go wherever you're, you know, the other, I'll go the other direction. You get first choice. So he chose the best of the land, everything else. Ends up in Sodom and Gomorrah. Now he's hanging out in Sodom and Gomorrah. So that's, that's already, he's going in the wrong direction. See? So he separates from the father in his faith, and it's all downhill from here. He separates from his father in the faith, and he just begins to go downhill. Now he's in Sodom and Gomorrah, hearing all the lawless, perverse things going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Bible says in the book of Second Peter that it vexed his, his, his conscience. It was bothering him. It was weighing on him. He was a righteous man dwelling among all these wicked people. He's watching wicked news, wicked, wicked TV programs, wicked this, wicked that. And it's weighing on him. So he's oppressed, he's a righteous man because he had faith because he was raised by the father of his faith, Abraham. So he had faith, he was a man of faith, but he was an oppressed man of faith. He was an oppressed Christian. He wasn't living it, you understand what I'm saying? And so next thing you know, because of Abraham's intercession, Abraham prays for the city, prays for Lot. Angels go in there to rescue Lot before destruction comes upon the city. The angels go in there, and they grab him. Finally, they grab the guy by his hand, him, his wife, his daughters, and they walk him out of the city. That's how merciful God was being because of Abraham's intercession. Can you imagine that? I mean, because of Abraham's faith, this man is being taken by the hand and being led out by angels out of the city. And they said, now get away from here because we can't do anything until you're safe out of sight. We can't, judgment can't fall until you're out of here. But here's the thing. Before that happened, the angel said to Lot, they said, now go tell your family, your son-in-laws, everybody. Tell them. The Lord's going to destroy the city and they need to get out of the city. So Lot goes, he goes back, he's trying to warn them. Then he says, he's running around, he's telling his son-in-laws and everything. And he's trying to tell them that there's going to be destruction on the city. You've got to get out of here. You've got to come with me. You've got to get out of the city. And the Bible said they looked at him and they laughed thinking he's just joking. He's only joking. They didn't take his word seriously. I wonder if it's because he had a reputation for being a jokester. I just wonder. You know, he had a re- I mean, because, I mean, if he was a real dignified person, if he was a person that was known for, for, for wisdom, was an honorable person, and he walks in there and says, you've got to get out of here right now. I just had a visitation. There's some angels. There's destruction coming. You need to get out of here. I think people would run. If they could believe your word. But if you're like Mr. Clown, and they look at you and go, they can't take you seriously. And he's telling you, get out of the city. Now, God's a God of humor. See, we need humor because that's all part of the surgery. See, a lot of folks don't realize. They say, Pastor, you're so funny. You're so funny. I'm really not. It's the Holy Spirit. 
And what happens is, see, I, my, my, my little surgical devices can be very sharp. So God is very merciful, and he puts gas. <laughs> see, there you go. He said, <laughs> get ready, there's a cut coming. Usually right, right at the point people are laughing. <laughs> something happens. God cuts something out of them, right? So, so, so there, this, is, this is strategic humor. This is spirit-led strategic humor that comes in the service. This isn't just goofiness. I'm not a goofy person. Are you with me? Are we getting a hold of some things today? So Lot, they wouldn't listen to him. And so guess what? They all perished in Sodom and Gomorrah. They were destroyed in the judgment. Why? Because he was a man they couldn't listen to. They couldn't respect him enough to believe him. You need to have a reputation that earns you respect. Have fun, have a good time, but earn respect by the way you live, your life, and how you talk. You need to live in a way that people respect you and that when you speak, they believe you. They believe you. So in other words, you've got to believe your own words. You've got to be a believer in God's word. And if you're a doer of God's word, then people will believe your word. We're talking about having a good reputation. Got to have it. Now, this man looked expecting to receive something. Now, of course, he's not expecting to receive a miracle. He's going to get a whole lot more than he bargained for today. Praise God. It's a special sale day. Something extra special is going to happen that this man wasn't even ready for. But it is as interesting that it does emphasize that, saying that he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. He needed, he needed to expect to receive something. The man just looked at me and said, look at us. So he's expecting to get something now. He's got their attention. We need to get people's attention. Get them to look at us, because we got the answer. Have that reputation uh, that we, we have what they're looking for. Can you say amen? Jesus said in John chapter 4 to a woman, he met at a well. And he said to her, you know, she looked, she said, you don't have a, a bucket to draw water out of this well. And, and so how is it you're going to give me this living water. How are you going to do that? And she's looking in the natural. She's trying to figure out. Jesus got her attention. And he says to her in John 4.10, he said, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. If you knew the gift of God. You know, people aren't going to know the gift of God that you are to them because the gift of the Holy Spirit's in you. You know, the gift of the Holy Spirit in you makes you a gift to the world. Somebody say, I am God's gift to the world. Yeah, if the Holy Spirit's in you, then you are God's gift to the world. You're God's gift to the world. But if you don't know the gift that you are, how in the world can you expect any passerbyer to know the gift that you are? Jesus knew the gift that he was. And in just like, just like Peter over there in Acts 3, he says, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew who is talking to you, if you knew who you were having an encounter with today, man, when people have an encounter with you, 
Wow, they have an, they have a, they have, they're having an encounter with an amazing opportunity. An amazing opportunity. Because an encounter with you is an encounter with Jesus. Because you're a member of him. A member of his body. Hallelujah. Man, people need to encounter God around you. When you walk in a place, God walks in the place. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, he said, whatever house you enter, he said, first say, peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, then your peace will come upon it and remain upon it. If not, it'll return to you. But if they're receptive and they welcome you, then my peace, which is now your peace, will rest upon that house. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will come upon the house. It's not even your house. How much, should your, how much more should your house be a house of peace if you walk into somebody else's house and you're able to say, peace, and peace comes on it? And you're just passing through. Praise God. Somebody invites you over to their house. Whoo, hallelujah. They're in for a blessing. Because you're coming with peace. You're coming with God. You're coming with Him. And it's going to settle all over that place. It's going to get all over these people. It's going to bless them. Somebody say, I'm a blessing. See, we got to just, we, you know, the church is so needy. And we so, we, you know, a lot of times we see ourselves like the woman with the issue of blood. If I could just touch the hem of his garment. And not realize you're wearing the garment. You're his body. You don't have to try to reach out and touch the hem of his garment. You got the garment. You got the goods. Oh, hallelujah. It's in my hands. Ooh, I got him in my hands. I, I got him in my feet. I got him in my walk. I got him in my talk. Come on, somebody. I got him all over me. Somebody say, he's all over me. He's about to get all over the person next to me. Now, if you're in here, if you're in here and you don't want that, then you need to get away from that person next to you. Get away from that person next to you because you're about to get blessed. Some of you are starting to feel it now. It's getting in your soul now. Woo, hallelujah. Your soul's getting saved, praise God. It's getting in your soul. It's getting in your body. Like we need to live like this. We need to walk around all the time like that. We're just a blessing going somewhere to happen. Mm. Get around me, get happy. You get around me, get happy. I've had people, so many people, you know, they, they come in for counsel, they're coming for help, you know, and they're just desperate. And you start meeting with the pastor, and they're just going, I mean, they're going through it. And so I'm not making fun of that. It's very bad. They're going through a very tough place. And so then they come into my office, and they sit down in the chair. And I mean, they got stuff written down. I mean, they're ready to, all their problems, man, they're ready. They've prepared to really share. And they sit in the chair. And then they go, well, Pastor, I, it's strange. I mean, I don't even know. I feel like, I feel like I don't have any problems. I feel like, I, I, I don't know. I just, there's so much I wanted to talk about. Mine's like going, mine's like going blank.
Actually, I feel kind of silly. I feel, I feel silly I even came here. You walked into the cloud. The peace. The peace of God. It's for all of us. Come on, somebody. It's for all of us. And the more we talk about it, the more we think about it, the more conscious we are, we, 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 the more conscious we become of it. And it's just, it's just good. And so a lot of problems just melt away in his presence. Right? We sing that song. In the presence of Jehovah, God Almighty, Prince of Peace, troubles vanish, hearts are mended in the presence of the King. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's true. It's not just a pretty song. It all goes away. It just goes away. And it won't come back if in Him we stay. We need to learn to stay in the presence of God. Are you a son of peace? And it's on you. Peace of God is on you. Not only that, it's in you. And wherever you go, you take it with you. You take it with you. I feel so calmed that I can't even preach the next part, which is this man getting up. But you got to preach it, and I just don't want to do it. So I think we're done. Peace to you. No problems here. No problems here. Peace on your home. Peace to your home. Healing in your body. The blessing of God on your life. In Jesus' name. No delays, no waiting for it. It's yours now. Just enjoy. Just choose to enjoy. Sad, choose to enjoy. The peace of God. The healing of God. The life of God. The health of God. The strength of God. The happiness of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Just let it flow. Let yourself go and be happy. Just go and be happy. Go and be happy. You know, let's believe these things for ourselves. I'm a gift of God. I'm life to other people. I'm health to people. I'm strength to people because that's all that's in me because I'm in him. Jesus said if somebody, if somebody slaps you across the cheek, he's eternal in the other cheek. You can't do that if you're not numb. You know, if you feel it burning, you're going to get mad. You're going to get mad and you're going to want to hit him back. But if they hit you and you don't feel anything, it's kind of like you go to the dentist and he's, he sticks a needle in there and numbs you up real good. And then he slaps you around and he's working. It doesn't sound good. But I don't feel a thing. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You walk out of there after they give you that Novocaine. You walk out of there, you know, and then you... Man, I don't feel my cheek. They tell you don't eat right after you have any kind of numbness in your mouth. After they do any kind of surgery in your mouth, they said, you know, don't eat because you end up chewing your tongue. You just chew your tongue off, you know. Confuse it with the meat, you know. 
can't tell the difference between your tongue and the meat. Ooh, it's a little tough. And you had no tongue left. Didn't feel a thing, you know. Hallelujah. Just don't feel me. See, that's how you can turn the other cheek. Somebody slaps you across the face and say, huh? I love you. I love you. Then you can turn the other cheek. It doesn't bother you because you're comfortably numb in this amazing presence of God. And we're going to walk in this presence. We're going to leave today this place in this house, but we're not going to leave his presence. It's coming to my house. Say it. The peace of God's coming to my house. You stay in that kind of peace, you know, it's going to be hard for people that are agitated people that are trying to attack you. It's going to be hard for them to continue to attack you. That's what the Bible says. Even your enemies will be at peace with you. Even your enemies will have peace with you because the peace that's on you will even get on your enemies. And so they're like, but just forget it. They won't even be able to continue to attack you. Boy, that's good. Hallelujah. We all walk in this, and then we just spread it. And next day, the whole city, Louisville, becomes known for peace. People come across the bridge out of Indiana, and they go, man, I feel so good. I feel so good in this city. Yeah, because it's our city. It's not the devil's city. It's our city. We're here. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Come on, give God a shout. Praise God. Oh, glory be to God. Hallelujah. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.